0: Welcome back to the Work Mija podcast, a podcast where mujeres empower mujeres. I am your host Sochi Carmona. Today, I'm joined by Karina Mora. Karina is a professional photographer devoted to showing Mexican culture and a podcaster, elevating other Latinas in their area of expertise as they empower the next generation. She is also a speaker helping people reclaim their cultural legacies through workshops. She also recently launched guided trips to Mexico with her in 2022. I actually also recently recorded an episode with Karina for her podcast, Elevating La Cultura. That should be coming up, hopefully, you know, sometime in February, we talk about a little bit more, but make sure you're following her pages to tune in and little bit of my experience the other side as the guest and today we actually have Karina which I'm excited for. The tables have turned. She as a podcaster is a guest on the Work Me Have podcast so thank you so much for joining us today Karina.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be on the other side of things. I've done a few podcasts before but every time I get nervous and even on my own podcast I get nervous but I'm <laughs> thankful for every opportunity to share what I'm doing.
0: For sure and sometimes I'll even get maybe a little bit nervous when on my own maybe if it's someone it's like you meet so many people on social media but then it's kind of like oh we actually get to talk face to face like what's going on you know so totally, totally get it. And before we get into this chat with Karina, as you know, on the Work Me Hub podcast, we like to get a little internal overview of our guests, which is also sometimes maybe why before podcasts, I'm like, ooh, okay, do I know your sun sign? I don't know. What's your rising? What are you going to bring me today? Um, But Karina was kind enough to share her placements. And so we're going to go through it. Sun sign, what we know as your identity and where you shine, what a lot of us know which is our birthday and karina is a cancer Sun. i don't know if we've had another cancer sign on here but cancer uh zodiac astrological signs are definitely known for strong survival instincts they're protective of those they care about so if you think of like a lot of cancer Suns, i think of the very nurturing vibes and you do have little ones right So I do. (laughs) I can bet a very protective mama bear. I do not mess with her (laughs) and cancers, you know, can also be known to be a little sensitive. They are the crabs of the zodiac. So they've they've got those emotions, which 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 is very interesting with your moon sign. I was like, hmm, it's an interesting little mashup here. So our moon sign rules our body and our emotions. And you have a Capricorn moon I have an experience with Capricorn moons. Um, And they're definitely, you know, usually they keep their emotions under check, but they're steady, reliable, responsible people. But what I do know about Capricorn moons, it can be sometimes a little bit difficult to get express those type of like emotions, just knowing how to do that. But I'm hoping like that cancer sun really is like tap into that a little bit. (laughs) And then we have your rising sign, which is your motivation for life. What you can sometimes come off as, And interesting that this is your rising sign because I was like, hmm, maybe. I feel like after our talk, I was like, is she this sun sign? But your rising is Aquarius. So Aquarius we always talk about in the podcast like I interview so many Aquarius sons it's crazy so many entrepreneurs like really have like this placement strong in their chart but you know they very much are individuals Aquarius placements they're not concerned with following the pack Um, you know they can sometimes either come off as standoffish or humanitarian but for me Aquarius placements it's because they're very much in their heads maybe so maybe they're not expressing that so people like what's going on what's going on they're like no oh, problem solved in my mind. I just didn't mention it to you, like. <laughs> so I thought that was definitely an interesting little mashup here we have for your top three. Does any of these like totally like speak to you, or you really kind of are in tune with?
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! So I don't. Uh, I didn't know any of this before you sent me the link, and I was like reading through everything, and I was like, this is like me exactly. So. <laughs> it's really interesting because I hear a lot that cancers are really sensitive and emotional and that just isn't me. Oh like, my God. I, I do not cry very often and I'm not like, I don't let my emotions guide my actions. Mm-hmm. And so when I read that in like the moon that, mm-hmm. okay, I'm in control of my emotions more. I was like, yes, that makes complete yep. sense. Um <laughs> and then what you were saying about how I kind of solve the problem any problems I have myself like in my head that is so true. Like I don't do like I don't dwell on things very much. Like mm-hmm. I just like okay, there's a problem. How can I solve it? Let's move
0: forward and mm-hmm. we're done. Oh my gosh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. I was like Cancer Sun with a Capricorn Moon. How is that working out? But luckily, um, especially after talking with you on your podcast or like listening to some of your podcast episodes, you really do hone in on like therapy, which I love, which I'm like, hmm, a Capricorn Moon wanting to go to therapy. But I was like, I think that Cancer Sun is like, let's go. Let's, you know, get in touch with our emotions there. So I think that's totally great. So got there yeah the Aquarius rising maybe is taking over
1: (laughs) oh my gosh and it's it's funny because the things that I'm working through in therapy have a lot to do with feelings yep and my lack of feelings (laughs) um my gosh it is it is really interesting and it's really stretching me
0: oh my god yeah yeah I I bet I bet (laughs) Capricorn moon sign actually I think the ruler one of the um signs that's ruled by the moon where it's most at home is cancer and Capricorn is like kind of like what they think of as like the opposite so whenever you have a sign in a planet that's kind of its opposite it can be a difficult sign there so but it's good that you're doing therapy for it so another pro for therapy but okay I love that we have that kind of opener conversation you're like oh yeah actually this is where it all hits (laughs) Mm -hmm. awesome awesome so now that we've got a little peek into you can you tell me and the audience you know a little bit more about yourself where are you from uh I know something that's really big for you that we're going to talk about but there's other ventures you're going into is photography and like how did you know you wanted to take this what some people can look at as a hobby but turn this into like maybe a business and even more from there
1: Ooh, it goes back a long a long time so I grew up in the south suburbs of Chicago um, and where the photography part started was actually in college I you know as a first gen Latina going to college was so important. And my family was so proud that I was going to college, except I have always been in this, uh, had this creative mindset, but I, it wasn't encouraged when I was younger because it was like, okay, you're going to go to college so that you can get a good job. Like maybe get your MBA, um, get a job that you don't have to worry about finances. And I was always like, okay, but I'm kind of creative. Like I enjoy music. I enjoy. Uh, I was in in high school. I was in like part of the drama team, and so I didn't really know where creativity fit in my life until I went to college. And I kind of dabbled in a lot of things. I did like graphic design. I did photography. I actually started in film photography. So and I loved. Like being in the dark room, I love developing photos, like that physicality of create creating uh, was really exciting for me. But then I always had the, in the back of my mind, like, okay, well, what are you going to do when you graduate? And so I had met the person who is now my husband in college, and he had already been like developing this photo photography passion. As more of a hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we started working together, I kind of like took it and made it into a business. We moved back to Chicago after we got married and I decided to shift his hobby into a profitable business. And so it took a while for us to get there because we were essentially transplanting his already like developed network from Michigan and popping it into Chicago and learning the Chicago market. And I had to like network and I had to talk to people and figure out how to build a creative business, which is much different than a brick and mortar business, which Mm -hmm. is what I was used to with my father uh, owned his own businesses. They were brick and mortar. They were like in his mind, easy, because it was just like the numbers, okay, we're, um, we're lacking uh, some revenue. So let's like, what are we going to do for marketing? And let's put out a flyer. So it was a lot simpler in his mind to do a brick and mortar, especially since he's, he's uh, built several businesses in different industries than it was to do a service-based business in the creative industry. And so I had to like, learn everything pretty much by myself Mm -hmm. from nothing. Uh, So that is how my photography business started. I don't know if you want me to like keep going
0: with this story. Oh my gosh. Before you keep going though, but like, I just thought it was so interesting that, you know, for like your husband photography, you're like, oh yeah, these pictures are super cute. Love it. Love it. But how are we going to make some money? I was like, Capricorn moon is talking right there. It's like, but like, I need to see them coins, honey. (laughs) We're going to make this happen. Like we totally can. So I love that kind of like a vision for it. It's like, cool. You're going to do what you love um and then you kind of like hopped on there like or like what type is your photography yours and his is that something you guys like how different or similar are your styles or like how do you guys go about that two photographers that's kind of cool
1: (laughs) yeah so we learned a lot from each other and our styles are very um photojournalistic so my my husband went to school for photojournalism and writing and um, well journalism and then photojournalism as well Mm -hmm. Um, and so as a female I was like well we can like get into a wedding photography business and it would be like um, more lucrative than if Uh, you were working as a photojournalist at a newspaper. Mm -hmm. So we could definitely take like our style and market it as like, we're documenting your wedding day Mm -hmm. and who doesn't want to like look back on photos of your wedding and be able to remember the day beyond just like the posed portraits. I mean, this was like almost 15 years ago. So before Pinterest, before Mm -hmm. like the styled photo shoots, that we were trying to introduce or step into this market. Uh, So we really like worked off of each other. I brought like the smaller details. Like I would take pictures of the outfits, of the details, of the accessories. And yeah, I mean, that was important. I was like, what am I going to take pictures of? Um, And then he would focus on like the moments the people like take or taking pictures as like guests are coming in and they're crying and like all of the moments like the in-between moments and so when we started seeing the pictures that we brought to the whole album we're like okay this is like a complete story let's let's keep going with it and we really like um played off each other to to strengthen our our work
0: nice so for like your photography services would you say like what is like the bulk of it um and what other little or not little I mean i say little what other types of like events or what do you what would you call them um not memories but i guess even life moments basically or even travel like what's the bulk of what you do photography wise
1: Uh, Well, right now, so we started that wedding photography business in 2009, 2010, uh, is when we got married and then like officially launched. And throughout the years, we have shifted. So what we started with kind of propelled us into what we're both doing now. So we don't actually do wedding photography anymore, mm-hmm. uh, only on a limited basis. And to finish off like the clients that we already have and like I second, uh, I assist for another photography company, but we shifted from wedding photography to also bringing in events because my husband, while he loved working with me like weddings just weren't like his passion Mm -hmm. he was like okay another wedding um so he also started photographing companies and doing like their marketing and um branding photos uh and then I also started through the wedding industry I started taking pictures of events and like doing everything like my clients started having kids so then I started doing family Mm -hmm. photos I started doing um like uh, headshots like so like it grew based on like my experience and the network that I mm-hmm. created and so this sh- so about hmm, maybe six seven years ago is when I started shifting away from weddings into what I do with photography now which is which is uh, I started traveling to Mexico. I started traveling back and trying to reclaim my identity, my culture. And it started because of one event. There was one event that I photographed. We actually were photographing together and I realized that they were appropriating the Mexican culture. Mm-hmm. And I Just had to smile
0: and I had to take
1: pictures and get through it. Um, My husband was way more offended than I was probably because I was able to compartmentalize and be like, okay, this is dumb, but Mm -hmm. they paid me. So I have to do this work. And so it was after that event, I was like, how did I get to this place that they can see me and still do this in front of me? Mm -hmm. And they knew they knew because they made a comment like okay we know we're not mexican but this is the event that we want to have this and is I the theme
0: like, okay, it's like uh, my this is not a the theme, theme. <laughs> mm-hmm. there was a sombrero being
1: passed around um wow and yeah i had to question like how did i get here am i gonna be proud of to show this work to my kids Mm-hmm. Like, how, what am I teaching them? And at that point, I had compartmentalized my business life with my personal life. And I had to question, is this how I want to continue in business? Like, yes, this is a lucrative um, industry, but at what cost? Mm-hmm. Like, are, they, are people just going to keep taking advantage of me? Are people just going to keep ignoring the fact that I'm Mexicana? Mm-hmm. and do whatever they want, because I let them. Uh, so I had to like regroup. I yeah. went to Mexico on a workshop. And again, it was a workshop led by people who are not Mexican Ugh. in Mexico. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, like, I'm the only one who speaks Spanish who can communicate yeah. in Mexico. And so I took Uh, what I learned from that workshop, and then came back and kind of dissected everything, my experience beforehand, my experience at the workshop, and like, what did I want to do? Uh, So I started like posting on Instagram, I started posting that I was learning about Mexican history, I started posting that I wanted to learn how to make traditional Mexican meals that I wasn't taught. Mm -hmm. I realized at that point, like how far my assimilation had gotten and I had to do something to like go back and shift the trajectory of where I was headed for the sake of my kids and to continue my parents' legacy. If not, it was going to be lost. Um, So that's what I, I started taking pictures in Mexico, uh, sharing my story, sharing how I felt sharing what it meant to raise by cultural bilingual kids. And I started offering photos that I took in Mexico of like Mexico, mm-hmm. not just like on the beach or like margaritas. Cabo. <laughs> exactly. Um, I started taking pictures and then offering them as prints. For people to like, just have a piece of Mexico that they could connect with in their home. Because I saw you see like a bunch of art that you can get at uh, Target, at Michaels, at West Elm. But is it like a like? Can you feel yourself and your identity and your culture in that art? Um, so I just tried it. I launched a collection. I went back to Mexico, launched a second collection, and c- just continued growing from there shared more on social media got a lot of like positive feedback and responses as I was learning all of these things and just like getting rid of the shame getting mm-hmm. rid of the shame that of like I don't know how to make tortillas from scratch or I don't know how to make frijoles from scratch oh, I can't like either. the basic yeah <laughs> the basic arroz. <laughs> things, oh my gosh I, My husband makes better arroz than I do every time I have to ask him. So I started like sharing the truth about how I was feeling Mm -hmm. and like the reality of things and kind of just saying like, okay, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this, but this is it. This is who I am, but I'm going to make the effort to learn, to learn Mm -hmm. all these things, because if I don't, then
0: it's going to be lost
1: Mm -hmm. with another Another generation.
0: Oh, for sure. And so, how often do you go to Mexico now to like shoot? Do you go to different locations? Do you go to the same ones? Where you're from? How do you uh, figure that out?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's tricky because the past two years, oh like, yeah, I have Dang. done barely <laughs> any travel. So, I think I launched this in 2018, and at that time, I had uh, or. Like, in 2020, I had three collections. Um, I had traveled to, so the first workshop that I went to was San Miguel de Allende mm-hmm. in Guanajuato. And so that was where the first collection kind of started. Um, even though San Miguel de Allende is not, like, somewhere that I would particularly visit. It's mm-hmm. very, um, it's, it's, there's a lot of expats there. And, um, but it was a good, like, first trip to Mexico that I went to solo, like, without any family, without visiting my family who lives in Guadalajara, so not too far from Guanajuato. But it was the first time that I traveled to Mexico by myself. And so, even though, like, I wouldn't necessarily go there. Um, now, like I want to travel more of Mexico and smaller pueblitos, Um, that is where like the collection started and this whole idea started. So I visited, I think, twice or three times before I had the collection San Miguel de Allende that I do now. Um, The next city that I released a collection from was Puebla. And so I went to Puebla, spent a few days there. I went to Puebla again, spent even more time there. And that's how I released the collection. And when I'm there, I also make a point to connect with people. Um, I connected with a food historian and learned about the history of Puebla. I learned about the different foods in Puebla and that region. Uh, So I'm not just going there and taking pictures, but when Mm -hmm. I release a collection, I'm also telling part of the story of that city. And so that's why I will visit a few times before actually releasing a a full collection. Um, And then the third city that I went to was Oaxaca. I went there in 2019 before everything closed Mm -hmm. and wanted to uh, go back and like put more into the collection but I visited Oaxaca I had beautiful photos to show so I released that in 2020 um, when I like people needed to see like
0: be inspired
1: (laughs) yes Uh, so I released that and also like did research and learned about the city of Oaxaca uh, while I was there and then also in 2020 when I had No travel plans. (laughs) Um, So this year actually is the first time that I'm traveling back a little bit more freely uh, to Mexico. So I've been there in 2021 um, is when I started going back more regularly to Mexico. But I haven't released a collection because I haven't like gone to explore yet a new Mm -hmm. city. Um, And then when I I did visit family a few times um, in 2021. And when I go visit family, like, I want to be present with my family. Mm -hmm. So I don't, like, go and take pictures. I might take a few pictures for Instagram or for, like, on my phone. But when I'm in Guadalajara, I try to, like, really be present with family and not work.
0: Yeah, that's the cancer son. Family. What was I going to say? That's actually a smart business because you get to. This is for work travel, so you get to expense everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Yes. Yeah, and I
1: I understand that travel is expensive. I don't. Uh, I try to travel and stay at Airbnbs. I eat like street food. I don't typically spend a lot of money when I'm traveling. Um, but that's why I had to like slowly stop the wedding industry because that is what was funding Mm -hmm. my travel i don't want to think that i was selling a bunch of prints and that's how i get to travel the wedding industry Mm -hmm. um, because it's lucrative and it is also very very hard work But that is what was, I don't want people to think that I was just getting this money out of nowhere, but I was still working weddings and that's what was funding all of my travel and um, like just trying it out, going from a service-based business where you don't really have a lot of expenses up front to a product-based business is so different. And you do need to have like money Mm -hmm. to pour into this especially because I was like testing frames. I was testing printers. I was testing all these things. And um, so that's why I couldn't stop weddings right away. Mm -hmm. I had to do it like organically and naturally uh, because I still needed uh, money to fund my, at that time it was a hobby because I was just trying it out. I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, will this be sustainable? Can I, like, how can I make this, The main source of income instead of weddings.
0: Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And then, so from the travel photography, is workshop something you're doing now? Is that something that's coming? Like what, if you do workshops now, like what are the workshops that you're doing now and where? So before 2020,
1: I was starting in-person workshops. So I was partnering with other experts uh, to teach like I partnered with a, a chef on how to teach us how to make pozole and like um, he also did like an appetizer and uh, he taught how to make churros mm. and so I invited people sold tickets um, it was very intimate we got to talk about it I got to share the history of pozole and like a little bit about Mexican history he got to share about the recipe and how to make it we actually got to make it Um, there was another one where I partnered with a baker and she taught us how to make pan de muerto Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
1: it was right around um, day of the dead and so I shared the history of this bread and she shared like how to make it we got our hands like in in the dough and got to take home like a starter and then also the bread. So I was starting this in 2019 because like part of this, like is, is very much, um, teaching and inviting people into this process. Like it's very personal. You want to be able to have conversations, Um, And so that's why I was doing small in-person workshops here and like finding other Latinos, Latinas uh, who could partner with me to teach how to cook, how to bake. And then I could bring the history aspect to it. Um, And so in 2019 is when I wanted to launch bigger workshops where it's like you actually come with me to Mexico and you learn all of these things in Mexico and we're there and we're experiencing what I've experienced um, and like starting to reclaim your culture, whatever that means to Mm -hmm. that individual, or just learn about another culture. I think that's super important too, even if you're not um, Mexican, like you can come to Mexico and learn no matter what uh, nationality or Uh, no matter who you identify as, Mm -hmm. like you can come and learn as long as you're respectful and come with like an open and um, like respectful attitude. Mm -hmm. Um, And so because of the pandemic, (laughs) I've had to put this on pause, but finally in 2022, I'm bringing people along me to mexico to take the workshops that i've taken to learn the things from people who are experts in mexico who will teach us not only what we're doing but also the history of the land mm-hmm. um, so that's how i've gotten to like develop my business or like my idea mm-hmm. um, because I want it to be personal. Like I don't want people just to see a pretty picture and say like, Oh, that's pretty. And then keep on Mm -hmm. scrolling. Like I want it to make a deep and meaningful impact on each individual. So that way we can actually make generational change and Mm -hmm. pass this on to our kids and they see the importance of the work that we're doing. And then they want to pass that on to their kids. Um, because as like, the world is, is changing and shifting. We're, go, we're getting into more bicultural um, society. And so, what does it look like to uh, learn about your culture, but also learn about your spouse's culture, your partner's culture? And then, how are you going to pour that into your kids and make, like, truly make a diverse society that elevates? not just your own culture but everyone else's.
0: Mhm. Oh my gosh, yeah, I totally agree with that. I feel like even as we get to like each generation, almost it's so hard not to like lose a little piece of culture and traditions. Like, even for me, like cooking, you know, for like uh, traditional Mexican meals, and don't even get me started on like estilo Michoacan, estilo, you know, Nueva León, like there's that. Um, and so, like, for me, my mom was always working. So, if anything, my grandmother made meals, but it was always like, oh, your abuela cooks because she loves you. She doesn't need to teach you, just eat it, kid, you know? <laughs> I wish I would have learned some traditional recipes from her. So I'm out here on like YouTube and TikTok, but I'm specifically trying to find the senora. So I was like, I want legit Doña Mari. You're going to teach me, you know, type of a thing. And but then also it's like those traditions that I think about that, like my grandmother, you know, taught us would keep up with like, especially like when you're sick or, you know, in general, maybe her call it little brujeria or anything, you know, with the huevo and the soban con el huevo and everything. Who's going to keep that up? Who knows that, you know, type of a thing. So I think that's totally important um, to try and do. And for each of us individually, especially for like the next generation, because then as it is, you're already like speaking English with them. You know, it's not common. Like, yes, you probably speak Spanish, but like the common you know, type of language, maybe is going to be the English so for them to kind of really get the Spanish as well, which, you know, is also very important. And that's kind of cool for like these workshops and like this travel, like do you when you travel? Is it like this is mom's work travel trip? Do you ever bring the kids along? Or do you guys do your own individual like family trips?
1: So we do our own trips. So when I go to Mexico with the group or by myself to go explore, I am like in work mode. And for me, like that's, it's fun too. So it's like, I don't always see it as work. Mm-hmm. Cause I see like what I did with weddings, that was work. Like I, that was hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's more of like, you know, when like, we're all trying to get into this life where we actually enjoy the work so much that it's not like work. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I think of when I travel, like I love, like, there's something different about being in Mexico. Like as soon as I land, like you can smell Mexico and you can just kind of, uh, I don't know, shift your mindset. Like I feel relaxed. I feel like at peace. I feel at home. Like in Mexico. And so it's always like uh, uh, really, really a great experience, no matter who I'm with, uh, to be there and to be learning. So I do these trips without the family, but I also, uh, we just came back from a two week vacation mm-hmm. in Mexico with the kids, my husband, and that was the first time they had traveled since 2019. We had, wow. we usually, go on vacation uh over semana santa to visit family Mm. to um just kind of hang out for a week but they hadn't done that since 2019 so it was like over two years and they like the kids just missed mexico so much and it was just great to see them enjoying and relaxing in mexico again so i i Like I said before, I try to keep family time, family time, even if it's in Mexico. And I try to keep like when I'm taking people, like I try to focus on them and their experience. And um, like that is work for me, Mm -hmm. even though it's not like work, work.
0: Yeah, but that's awesome. Like it sounds like such like you found a fulfilling passion that pays the bills, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which is hard to find sometimes. So that's amazing. And then also, cause your husband also, cause you're both what creatives entrepreneurs, or does he also have uh, like a full-time nine to five, or does he work for himself too?
1: So he has a nine to five. Okay. He, and that's how he kind of shifted out of weddings because he wanted to focus on work and, mm. uh, And it was so hard because he had a nine to five and then would work weekends with me for weddings and he wouldn't, he wouldn't really see the kids. And so he transitioned out of the wedding industry before I have, but, um, yes, he has a nine to nine to five. He also is kind of in the creative space, even though he works for a company, it's very much like writing, designing, uh managing he's also an author he wrote a book last year two years nice. ago with someone and teaches workshops on that so the goal is for him to also work for himself but right now he is nine
0: to five nice he's like all right you started i'll join you in a bit <laughs> yeah that's awesome then you guys can just travel everywhere that's so cool that sounds awesome plus someone's got to have the health insurance right <laughs>
1: Exactly. I think that is what is stopping him from actually going on his own. I mean, it is really hard. And like, we've been looking at the numbers and the health insurance, man, it's... Individual
0: uh, family, but that's the thing. Yeah. I like, got that's what I was going to ask. I was like, because at first I'd be like, Oh, what is it like to have like two entrepreneur creators? But I feel like that's usually how the balance goes sometimes, you know, where you have one is the entrepreneur and then the other is maybe like holding down the full time, you know, health insurance. <laughs> more than anything, it's the health insurance. Somebody has the health insurance covered that security there. And then it's like, okay, cool. Like you can kind of bring that in and then, you know, we'll kind of maneuver that. But that's usually what it comes down to, at least in the Mm U S right. (laughs) Yes. And I do
1: want to be transparent that yes, he is sustaining like health insurance and the daily life for the kids financially. Um, and then it's very, uh, like I am privileged to be able to use the business funds Mm -hmm. and keep it in the business for now. Mm -hmm. Um, so I do want to say that we are privileged enough that he, we can, um, be sustained by his nine to five while I figure out this, um, work that I want to be doing because it has been like a four year transition as I figure out Mm -hmm. how to make a new business and a new business model sustainable
0: Mm -hmm. while
1: also healing in my own journey like Mm -hmm. this isn't like this is work that I've had to be doing before I make it like public Mm -hmm. and so it is really hard when you're doing this kind of healing work while also trying to shift a business, uh, I don't want people to think that I'm making a lot of money mm-hmm. right off the bat. Like I want to be really transparent that it's not, um, sustainable. Like I haven't been able to shift the income that I made with weddings, um, to what I'm doing now. It's mm-hmm. It's been a very slow process because I wanted to be intentional i want it to be uh also accessible for mm-hmm. people um so i do want to be honest about that part of things
0: but it's important to have that support, especially when you are an entrepreneur and smart of your Capricorn moon. I feel like, uh, you know, people out there, creatives, you know, when you're interviewing potential partners, be like, so what's your potential for full-time and how much? <laughs> <Yeah. You know? laughs> it's strategy. Yes. No yes. <laughs> what can you offer my creative abilities? Can you join me? What can you do? No, kidding. But no, it's true. Mm-hmm. And we appreciate the transparency, especially because like maybe it's like TikTok culture, social media culture. Sometimes when you hear like these small businesses, are like I run a six figure business or I made six figures, but they leave the part out where they're like, well, how much were your expenses? Oh, also six figures or also, you know, it's like, but then how was that profit? Like, so yeah, we totally get like this uh, unattainable, maybe standards reality sometimes because yeah, it's, Like what I was talking about, like you seem very fulfilled, but it's hard. It's hard in the beginning, starting off. It's hard, even maybe even like when you're starting off, like wedding photography as well to get that client, to get that traction, to build that network. You know, you have a network, but what was the network at before? One, two, you know, and just like that takes time. That takes effort. Um, but with consistency and like even growing and scaling now, like, well, what else can we do? What else can we do and kind of make that sustainable? So we appreciate that transparency.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. I don't want to be part of that, uh, social media culture that is just like only putting out the pretty picture, Mm -hmm. um, because even in the wedding as a photographer, (laughs) yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, as like a photographer though, like I am very real like in what mm-hmm. I share. Like even though it's pretty, mm-hmm. like uh, when I go live, like you can ask me any question and I will be honest and real with people. Um but even in the wedding industry, I did see that disparity being a Latina in this very um white dominant industry. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I struggled to grow as quickly as my white counterparts. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily because I lacked skill, but because I didn't have the network and connection yep. that they may have been coming
0: yep.
1: with already. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was very hard and I did learn a lot. And I think that's why this, what I'm doing now is so meaningful to me because i want to shift that Mm -hmm. i want to like normalize like you don't have to assimilate in order to like be accepted like we need to create our own like circle where we elevate these like different cultures and show that like just because we look different doesn't mean our skill is less than and that we should get paid less than. Mm-hmm. I think collectively we're all trying to do that with like the the wage gap in corporate America, like this is just like me trying to do that in this creative industry that I'm in as well. Um, so I do want to say that if you are in a like a creator and you find yourself in circles that might be predominantly white. And you're feeling like, why can't I do the same thing or like charge the same price? Why am I getting questioned? You're not alone. And mm-hmm. like, it's, it's, it is a real thing because I was gaslit to think that I just wasn't working hard enough.
0: Nope.
1: <laughs> but I do want to encourage people that they're not alone. You're not the only one feeling this way. And that there are people that are trying to help and talk about these things so that we can move forward that's another like how can I solve this problem how can we
0: move forward together (laughs) oh the Aquarius rising (laughs) solving all the problems (laughs) yes oh my gosh but I love that you share that it's so true like I feel like we just need a whole other conversation on that and then especially on because I forgot I've seen something on TikTok like creators of color like have to work harder um then like white creators like I, I'll see some of these videos of these like just like oh super pretty girl not even she's not even wear makeup she's just white and then just does like the most basic little video it took her five seconds and it's like two million views or something but like as a creative color sometimes you have to like really just like work at it put even more effort in order for your stuff to be seen or even like accepted you know, like a creative color versus a create like a white creator doing maybe the same video, but the white creator is just going to be more accepted in it in a way. Just being like, oh, you're seen as maybe more professional or more like noteworthy. Like, it's just crazy. Whole other conversation yeah. on TikTok culture or <laughs> that culture yeah. in general. Oh, my gosh. OK. But what from everything that you do? What has been the most challenging part about running your business, businesses?
1: I think the mindset mm-hmm. shift mm-hmm. Um, because I grew up in a area that was predominantly white and I was born in 86, so very much in 90s, <laughs> 90s kid growing up where it was like oh well we don't talk about color mm-hmm. so I grew up thinking that I was just like everyone else mm-hmm. but it wasn't until like I graduated college and entered the workforce that I realized like why am I not getting the success as everyone else if they're telling me that I'm like they don't care if I'm Mexican or like it, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. um so making the mindset shift to like accepting the reality of things, and I think like the sh- the work that we've been doing the past four, five, six years has really helped in that. Um, but just, I mean, I still get imposter syndrome. I still get like down on myself. Um, I still have to work on my mindset every single day and I think that's the hardest part because you it's it's something that you never like achieve perfection mm-hmm. like your mind is 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 always going to um, mess with you yeah and I think that is the hardest thing that I've had to learn how to um, like rein in or like learn how to um, shift and adjust my thinking when it comes to all areas of life, really.
0: Because mm-hmm. I was like, you don't want to say, you don't want to say push those thoughts aside because we don't want to avoid our feelings, right. which is what we might do, yeah. <laughs> which is what I, my therapist tells me to, we have to work through those feelings. Yes. Right? God damn it. I have to sit my feelings again. Okay, fine. I know it's the worst. <laughs> like, oh, we have so many feelings. <laughs> okay. Um. And next question, what goals do you have? For your business, if you don't mind sharing.
1: Oh man, okay. I feel like this year, like, is finally like I'm gonna actually have the opportunity to meet some of these goals. The past two years, like, I've just haven't been traveling as much, have kind of just been having to shift and rethink things. Um, And so I poured a lot into my. Uh, like personal development and learned a lot, got more, I guess, got, got better at sharing my story. There was a lot of like tension with my story. A lot of, um, again, talking about mindset, like shame. And I hired a coach and she was amazing. She helped me like develop my story to make a difference, like how I can just be like, Oh, well, this is my story. I don't know. But to use that to also connect with people and, and help them. And so I think this year, like I said, I'm going to be actually launching guided trips to Mexico with me. And I'm also going wanting to do more speaking. I want to do more speaking like in schools, um, at the high school level or at the college level, and start bringing these uh, conversations to life. Like Mm -hmm. talk about assimilation, talk about cultural legacy and what that means for each culture individually and how we can work together to make a shift, Mm -hmm. uh, whichever industry you're in. Um, Even in corporate America, like I think People are starting to realize the importance of diversity, equity, inclusion, Mm -hmm. but how can we um, get rid of the mindsets that we had around what it means to be successful and then shift that to also elevate and support other cultures
0: in the workforce. That's awesome. All right. Cheers to 2022. (laughs) Yes. Can't wait to see pending any other... things. (laughs) Who knows that throws at us, but nice. Okay. So before we close up, I want to go into our lightning round question. So just things, first things that pop into your mind. So if you are ready, the first question is who is a Latina that inspires or motivates you? Oh my goodness. Okay. So, Oh, I think,
1: (laughs) I think everyone that I've had on my podcast has influenced me in a way that I didn't realize. Um, I love each person that I'm connected with through the podcast, Elevating La Cultura, um, which I, I interview other Latinas in their area of expertise and kind of elevate what they're doing to share their story so we can normalize this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I have to say one of my good friends, uh, her name is Jasmine. She is the founder of a nonprofit here uh, locally in a local suburb of Chicago. And her nonprofit pours into the creative industry and the youth and like teaches them how to take pictures, how to use a camera, how mm-hmm. to market, how to brand. Like all of the skills that are so necessary mm-hmm. in this age that are not necessarily taught in school. Mm -hmm. And she had this idea three, four, five years ago, and to see her develop it and to be doing the work and pouring into her community and also like taking other people along with her is so empowering. And so I think she And I don't—I probably don't tell her enough, but she is such an influence and inspiration to me and what I'm doing in my in my business in my life. I just appreciate her so much.
0: That's awesome! Shout out, Jasmine. (laughs) Yeah, awesome. Okay, next question: What is the best piece of advice you have ever received?
1: So, okay, my father is a huge influence in my life. He uh, has given me so much advice. Some, uh, I get advice even when I don't ask for it, you know. (laughs) Um, But one thing that has like stuck with me is the fact that he said that you are your greatest asset. Mm. And so you as like your mind, your body, your spirit, like all of that needs to be taken care of for you to thrive in life and business in in all areas, Mm -hmm. in all aspects. And I thought that was a huge thing for um, someone of his age as an immigrant to really like hold on to, because that is like a thing that is now being like work done. And so for him to be telling me this when I was in high school and college, like that has just stuck with me that it's important to pour into your mental health. It's important to make sure that you're drinking water and getting enough sleep and like taking care of your body, going to the doctor or whatever you need. Like, it's so important to make sure that you're okay. So that you have the energy, the strength to do what you want to do and make a difference. Mm
0: -hmm. That's awesome. Good advice. Shout out, dad. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Next question. What is a piece of advice you would give anyone wanting to pursue a business or ventures like you?
1: Uh, Okay. So I think I want to approach this in two parts because what I've shifted into, not a lot of people are doing. Mm-hmm. And so I want to give people like the permission or the encouragement to just because you don't see a lot of people doing it doesn't mean it can't be done. Mm-hmm. It, it will be hard to figure it out, but you can like make a path and you can do what is important work for you and help people see the importance of that as well. Uh, so just because you don't see it done doesn't mean it can't be done doesn't mean that you should give up. It's just like find other people who can come alongside you and encourage you. Um, and But then on the second, on the flip side, I want to encourage people just because they see a lot of people doing something doesn't mean that it's a lost cause or that they shouldn't do it. Just like the wedding industry. There's so many photographers out there, but you can find the clients that um, will appreciate you and value you. And you can actually like, make a business. I think of that example, like when you go in the store, there's so many like bread companies mm-hmm. and they're all like doing it or you just drive down the street. Or like even when I'm in Mexico and looking for street food, there's so many tacos and like mm-hmm. stand selling elotes Lopez or um, the chips with the salsa, but they're all like, you see there's so many people around them and they're all thriving.
0: Mm-hmm. So just
1: because it's being done doesn't mean that there's no space for you to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, on that Aquarius' rising response.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my the gosh vision- that the is-
0: visionaries.
1: <laughs> yes, that's hilarious. See, I told you I read it and it was like spot on and I had no idea. Uh,
0: that's so funny. Okay, next question. What is the best resource that has helped you along your journey? Book, podcast, app, et cetera.
1: Oh man, there's so many. So I have had so many coaches in my years of entrepreneurship. Uh, I I value like pouring into yourself mm-hmm. and reading all the books, reading, uh, listening to the podcast, listening to people that are giving advice on on social media clubhouse however you get your your info Mm -hmm. Um, I don't necessarily know if there's like one specific thing that has like impacted me but it's the collective that mindset of always be learning Mm -hmm. and I think what I've learned recently is to find the people that can actually help you and understand what you're doing, not only from a business perspective, but from a cultural perspective Mm -hmm. that you can relate to. And I know we've all heard representation matters, but I think it's, it's becoming easier to find like a coach that you can relate to on a business and cultural level. um, even a therapist on a business and cultural level. I think those two um, before were taught to be separate. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, no, well, this is the best coach for this industry. Mm -hmm. But if they don't understand the cultural part that you're coming from, they're not going to be able to help you fully. And so I think being able to uh, listen to the voices that you can relate to uh, whether in book form or podcast form, are huge, and then also look for the people that can come alongside you, whether it's friends, collaborators, or coaches that can understand you holistically.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. I love a good like pot finding good podcasts, like business podcasts. And I specifically like to look for like women of color um, mm-hmm. for those type of like marketing type podcasts, or just it's just a quick way to get all the information in, you know, I got things to do. So if I can do it while I'm driving. <laughs> but yes, exactly. I love I love how you mentioned also like a coach, a business coach. And I think just in general, that whole like you are worth that investment in a way is maybe like a mindset that I feel like a lot of people don't have. I was like, what do I, um, you know, who am I to like have a business coach or who, you know, sometimes you wouldn't think like, let me get someone or like even a a mentor even to like reach out to like, it makes a huge, huge difference. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Next question. If there's anything you can change about your journey, what would it be?
1: Uh, I think, it, uh, maybe just realizing all of this a little sooner <laughs> would have been, been, been great. I think when I was younger, I didn't have the, the language or even the awareness to know what was happening. All the microaggressions that I endured, uh, like I just let it happen. And I thought that was normal. I thought it was, they were being funny, um, but then again, I wouldn't be where I'm at today if that didn't happen and I didn't have that calm, like that, that one event that just like did it for me to like go and make the effort to mm-hmm. learn and reclaim and pass on my, my culture. So I wouldn't necessarily change anything other than like trying to re- like wanting to realize this a little sooner. <laughs>
0: Mm -hmm. everything happens for a reason the way that it happens when it happens and then also like we have to not think of when things should quote unquote Mm. should happen you know everybody's timeline is different and luckily you know latina genes keep you young so (laughs) yes yes exactly all right last question where can listeners connect with you online where can we find you i will link everything in the show notes.
1: Perfect. I love connecting on social media. I am mostly on Instagram. You can find my personal stuff and then the stuff that I'm doing like as I travel on my Instagram at Karina Mora underscore prints. And also the podcast is at Elevating La Cultura. And then my website is KarinaMora.com.
0: Awesome. And we will link that for you in case you want to check it out as well as, you know, follow on the social medias, keep up to date with what's going on in 2022 with the new travel journeys, but it was a great time. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, Karina.
1: Yes. Thank you so much. This was great. It was good to be on the other side of things. <laughs> um, I love talking with you. It's, it's really like easy I feel like we're friends um, <laughs> even though we've never met in person it's only right. been online so thank you so much for giving me the time and the space to share what I'm doing
0: awesome who knows we might need to do like updated recaps in 2023 2024 but thank you everybody for joining us today on the work Miha podcast don't forget to tune in for some more amazing mujeres and their stories until then I will talk to you next time